Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. Your Honor, every one of these letters is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office has delivered them. Therefore, the post office department, a branch of the federal government, recognizes this man, Chris Kringle, to be the one and only Santa Claus. Ring out the old year, ring in the new, ring a ding ding. Humbug. You're listening to SockPod, the Sturchley Open Cinema podcast. Bringing the community together through film for Sturchley and our neighbours. Hello and welcome to SockPod. My name's Chris and last month I did say that James and Karis would be joining me for December's episode. But I guess I'm a liar because it's just me again. Merry Christmas. December's been a busy month for the Search the Open Cinema. We've had Murderous Butlers. There's a madman upstairs. And Caroling Muppets. <laughs> but before we get to that... And what if you track down these men and kill them? What if you murdered all of us? From every corner of Europe, hundreds, thousands would rise to take our places. Even Nazis can't kill that fast. November's Friday feature was the 1942 classic... Casablanca. It's one of those films that's so famous, with so many quotable lines, that you'd be forgiven for thinking you've seen it, even if you haven't. Like this guy. It's funny uh, how many quotable lines that I know, having not seen the film. You already know. Yeah, already yeah. sort of permeated into like popular culture. You might remember Dave from our Halloween episode. He was the one telling you that you should vote for Shaun of the Dead in our Mystery Fright Night. Sorry, Dave, didn't work. I had a quick chat with Dave after the film. <laughs> what, did, what did you think? Oh, I, th- I really enjoyed it. It was really good fun. Um, I was really surprised how much of the scripts, the quotable lines that I already knew that kind of permeated into culture, yet not having actually seen the film before. Like uh, um, the... the Problems of three people don't meet, amount to a hell of beans in this world. Here's looking at you, kid. you got to get on that plane. You're part of his work. I know all of these lines, but I never realised that we're actually from this film. It's really, really good fun. Though, contrary to popular belief, he did not say, play it again, Sam, which I did note, yes. Uh, so, yeah, we all think he did, and he didn't. No, but it was excellent. It was really good fun. Really enjoyed it. What, before you came, did you think you'd like it? I suspected I would. It's a classic. Like everyone knows of it and knows it's great, but I don't know many people who've actually seen it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad I did. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Cheers. Well, here's looking at you, Dave. <laughs> hey. <laughs> a legendary film reviewed by a legend. Thank you, Dave, for chatting to us. And Dave wasn't the only one seeing Casablanca for the very first time that night. A couple of other people hadn't seen it before. And it made me realise there's quite a stigma around having never seen a classic film. Which is why we've started the Film Club on Sockpod. This is where we watch a classic film suggested by you just to see what all the fuss is about. 
The first classic on the list was Vertigo, which until very recently was number one in Sight and Sound's greatest films of all time list. In fact, Sight and Sound published their latest list the day after we released our last episode. But by that time, we'd already decided to watch Vertigo. What are you going to do? On the last episode of Sockpod, you heard from Beth discussing her hopes and fears for Vertigo. We're about to hear what she thought of the film, so fair warning, there are spoilers ahead. Spoilers galore for Vertigo. Here's Beth. Tonight we saw Vertigo. What do you think? This is, this is a strange film. Well, first of all, actually, what I want to say is that Scotty is the worst detective ever. When he's pursuing Madeline, he's like one car behind her for about two hours and she apparently doesn't even notice. And then he keeps following her into buildings that are completely empty of other people. Like when he goes into the museum and there's nobody else there and he just kind of wanders into the room behind her. It's like, mate, she's going to know that you're following her. He's... he's... Yeah, so it starts out as this kind of noir detective story because Scotty, who's our protagonist, uh, is contacted by Gavin. I think he's he's an old college friend or something who asks him to keep an eye on his wife who's behaving oddly and may or may not be possessed or at least obsessed by her great aunt, I think it is. Scotty, do you believe that someone out of the past... Someone dead can enter and take possession of a living being? No. If I told you that I believe this has happened to my wife, what would you say? Well, I'd say take her to the nearest psychiatrist or psychologist or neurologist or or maybe just the plain family doctor. I'd have them check on you, too. Then it turns into this kind of ghost possession story. And for a good chunk of the film, you think... Oh, it's a ghost story. Weird. This is weird. And I had no idea where it was going to go. I think my favourite character was Midge. I love Midge. I think she's brilliant and she should have a spin-off. What's this doohickey? It's a brassiere. You know about those things. You're a big boy now. Why is he not interested in Midge? Well, actually, we'll come to that. I think he's not interested in Midge because she's a real woman. Midge is uh, Scotty's ex-fiancé, and she designs bras, and they're really silly. She's got, like, a pink, lacy, like, hold-up, backless bra. It's brand new. Revolutionary uplift. No shoulder straps and no back straps, but does everything a brassiere should do. Works on the principle of the cantilever bridge. I mean, it looks painful, but still, anyway. She's got this sweet little apartment. She's there for him whenever he needs her, whatever state he gets into. She's always ready to give him a drink and have a chat. She's funny. She's sassy. I really do like Midge a lot. (laughs) Oh, now, Johnny, really? Come on. But Scotty's not interested. Scotty is interested, however, in Madeline. And Madeline, when you first see her, is just stunner. She's wearing this green dress in this really lush red bar and she I mean she looks like a Hollywood star because she is one but she's the character of Madeline is all mysterious and dreamy and she's kind of looks at him a lot and says these mysterious things in this sexy voice I fell into the bay and you fished me out 
That's right. She doesn't remember much, and she doesn't really have much personality that you can hold on to. She's all about looks and wishy-washy mysteriousness. Then I, I must have had a dizzy spell and fainted. Is she possessed? Does she know what's going on? You can't really pin her down. He then falls in love with her, and then it becomes all about his obsession with her. And then, out of the blue, she's dead, gone. And you keep thinking, oh, it's going to end now, because that's the end of this bit of the story. And then it turns into another kind of film, because then he sees judy who's kind of madeline but not madeline and she's kind of all vampy and sexy and wearing all this makeup thanks again good night can i see you tomorrow tomorrow night well no i mean tomorrow morning but i have to go to work i've got a job don't go to your job and what'll I live on? My oil wells in Texas? And he glimpses and recognises the look of Madeline in her. And then he spends the next chunk of the film desperately trying to turn her into Madeline and making her, like, dye her hair and get all these new clothes. You're looking for the suit that she wore for me. You want me to be dressed like her? Judy, I just want you to look nice. I know the kind of a suit that'll look well on you. No, I won't do it. Judy, it can't make that much difference to you. I just want to see what you No, I don't want any clothes. I don't want anything. I want to get out of here. Judy, do this for me. And she speaks differently. She's got a lot more character. She speaks her own mind. And he's not interested in that. He's only interested in making her look as much like Madeline as possible. Judy, I tell you this. These past few days have been the first happy days I've known in a year. I know. I know because... Because I remind you of her. Like, I have no respect for Scotty when he's trying to turn her into Madeline because you think, why can't he fall in love with the real Judy? But he's not. He's absolutely resistant to that. He's not interested, it seems, in the real woman at all. He's just interested in this creation. Couldn't you like me? Just me the way I am? But then when she's a real woman, it's like they both start falling short in each other's opinions because he's not this hero anymore who's all suave and turning up in the, at the right place at the right time. So it's really sad because they're two people that are in love with the idea of each other and not in love with each other, which is really tragic. If I let you change me, will I do it? I do what you tell me. Will you love me? Yes. Yes. Fine. Then I'll do it. They don't care anymore about me. Um, you never quite know where it's going, and I did like that about it. You can't quite get a handle on what kind of film it is or who anybody is. Here, come on, over and sit by the fire. But it also was l- ludicrous. It was ludicrous. I don't know. Is it good? I'm really confused about whether it's good or not because it's ludicrous. But it is good. I have very mixed feelings about this film. I really enjoyed it. And it was full of suspense. And it was beautiful. And it seemed to be commenting on men and women and identity and our ideas of love and the reality of it and 
possibly even remarking on how shallow men are, unless that's just my interpretation of it. It did feel quite long. Every time we thought this is the conclusion to this bit of the story, it would change into a different type of story. I wasn't disappointed, weirdly. I was more confused. Maybe there's, I mean, maybe I'm missing something. Where are you going? One final thing I have to do. And then I'll be free of the past. The end is really creepy. I don't want to go. I'd rather wait. Oh, you... I need you. Why? I need you to be Madeline for a while. And when it's done, we'll both be free. They're standing at the top of the tower, and Scotty's getting all angry and accusing them of the whole deception. But you knew that day that I wouldn't be able to follow you, didn't you? Who was up there when you got up there? Elster and his wife? Yes, yes, and she was the one who died. The real wife, not you. You were the copy, you were the counterfeit, weren't you? You don't think he's going to chuck her out, like, even though he's being all angry. You played the wife very well, Judy. He made you over, didn't he? He made you over just like I made you over, only better. Not only the clothes and the hair, but the looks and the manner and the words and those beautiful phony trances. And you jumped into the bay, didn't you? I'll bet you're a wonderful swimmer, aren't you? Aren't you? And then they kiss. And then the nun stepping out. No. I heard voices. God have mercy. And Judy, dressed as Madeline, freaks out and jumps out of the window to her demise. And then there's this nun standing there and she just says, like, God bless us all and rings the bell. And it's just like, what the... But what? <laughs> what? How elaborate. If you want to get rid of your wife, there's got to be easier ways than ringing up your old college mate who you found out has vertigo and setting up an elaborate ruse that involves him having to run up a bell tower then chucking your and then relying on the fact that he's going to be so distraught that he flees the scene instead of running down to check that she's still alive which if he had done and looked at her face he'd have realized it was a completely different woman anyway like you have got to rely on an awful lot going very right for that plan to work that's nuts there's easier ways like chuck her off a bridge i don't know <laughs> No, I don't think it is the greatest film ever made. Sorry. I'm trying to think what the greatest film I am ever wa- have ever watched is. Well, it's Jurassic Park, isn't it? Uh, yeah, all the Lion King. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd rather rewatch The Lion King than Vertigo, to be honest. Like I said, Sight and Sound published their latest list of the greatest movies of all time. And Vertigo is now number two. The number one spot is now held by Chantal Ackerman's 1975 classic that nobody's ever heard of, Jean Dealman, 23, Quai de Commerce, 1080 Brussels. I think that's how you say it. We could put that on the list for Film Club, but it is three and a half hours long, so please don't make us watch it. If there is something you think we should watch, get in touch. 
You can email us, it's sturchlycinema at gmail.com, or you can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We're at Sturchly Cinema. Give us a shout, tell us what you think we should watch. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming. It's nice to see you all. Everyone turning up on a Tuesday to watch a 90 year old horror film. That's wicked. Bad weather, a fireplace. And being locked inside with a strange family certainly sounds like Christmas, but it's not the cosy Christmas we often see on screen. This December, we teamed up with the wonderful folks at Attic to bring you The Old Dark House, a 90-year-old horror that's more laughs than it is scares. I've never been in a better temper in my life. I love driving 100 miles through the dark practically without headlights. I love the trickle of ice cold water pouring down my neck. This is one of the happiest moments of my life. Would you like me to drive for a bit? Yes, I was expecting that. Attic were amazing hosts. It really was the perfect venue for an alternative Christmas film. So thank you so much to everybody at Attic for helping us put that on. And thank you for coming. The Old Dark House was our second pop-up picture of the year. And we're planning on more pop-ups in 2023 alongside our usual Friday features at Sturchley Baths, which is where we recently screened... The Muppet Christmas Carol. God bless us, everyone. Whatever. The best Christmas film of all the Christmas films. Fact. The Muppet Christmas Carol celebrated its 30th anniversary this year, and you guys came out to celebrate in style. Now, it was our intention to play the version with When Love Is Gone. But since that wasn't possible, here's a little clip. I love you, Bill. You did once. There was a time... Okay, that'll do. Moving on. Now time for something completely different. We all know January can be bleak. We've all eaten too much, no one's got any money, and no one wants to see another drink for as long as they live, which is why we're putting on a film in a pub. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. Patrick Swayze is... Dalton. I thought you'd be... bigger. Opinions vary. On the 12th of January, we're bringing you another pop-up picture, courtesy this time of the mighty Birmingham Brewing Company. As I said, January can be pretty depressing, so we thought we'd screen the silliest, most fun piece of trash that we could think of. Roadhouse. Roadhouse is the story of Dalton, a cooler who's sent to clean up the double deuce, the meanest, loudest and rowdiest bar south of the Mason-Dixie line. And if that sounds ridiculous, that's because it is. Roadhouse is very stupid and a lot of fun. But don't take my word for it. Here's the world's biggest Roadhouse fan, my brother Ben, to tell you why you should be watching Dalton smash some heads this January. Roadhouse uh, is about Patrick Swayze, or Dalton, as his character is known. and He's the best goddamn cooler in the business. He's sent to clean up the Double Dukes in Missouri, Jackson, Missouri, I think it is. And the Double Dukes used to be a sweet deal, but now it's the kind of place they clean up the eyeballs after closing. We've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Too many uh, 
40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. It's going to change. Character introduction is just the most important thing about all movies because that's what makes you care about the characters. And the, the, that part of Roadhouse is just brilliant. You just, you just end up loving these characters. And even though you're not supposed to take the movie too seriously, you just you still want to see them, all the characters come out on top, you know? And Patrick Swayze is kind of there to save the day. Dalton. Red Webster. How long are you going to be in town? Not very long. So, yeah, Red Webster is this guy. He ends up befriending when he kind of has to keep going to buy stuff for his car, which inevitably gets smashed up by the locals who end up hating him. He goes to buy car parts or whatever like that, and the guy says to him, um, do you want to start uh, an account or whatever like that? He goes, oh, no, I'd pay as a go. And he says to him, oh, you plan on stopping long? And he says, oh, no, not long. He goes, yeah, that's what I said 25 years ago. Really? What happened? Oh, I got married to an ugly woman. Don't ever do that. It just takes the energy right out of you. <laughs> <laughs> you should come and watch Roadhouse because it's just a great, a good old boy. Doesn't take itself too seriously. It's always a nudge and a wink to the camera. It's cheesy, but they kind of know it's cheesy. And there's loads of brilliant, brilliant quotes in it. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. If you're off to watch Roadhouse, you know, enjoy yourself and definitely make sure you have a few drinks before and after you see it, yeah. Cheers, Benjamin. He came all the way from Ireland to do that, by the way. That was recorded at the Birmingham Brewing Company earlier this week. And we'll be showing Roadhouse there on the 12th of January at 7pm. We won't be charging our usual ticket price for this event because the tap room will be open for business as usual. So what we're doing instead is asking for a donation so that we can cover the costs of putting on the film and continue to bring you more of the local cinema that you love. And that sure sounds good. And that's a wrap for this episode of Sock Pod. Before we go, we'd just like to say a huge thank you to all of our hosts, the old post office co-working space that put us up earlier in the year, Artifact in December, and of course, the home of Sturchley Open Cinema, Sturchley Baths. And most importantly, we'd like to thank everybody who bought a ticket for a screening this year. Running the cinema is a massive privilege and we really hope you've enjoyed coming along to a film or two this year. It's been a pleasure and without you, we wouldn't have a cinema. So thank you. We hope you have a happy and healthy new year. And for the last time this year, thanks for listening and we'll see you at the movies. Merry New Year! Happy New Year. In this country, we say Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you for correcting my English with stints. I am Nanja Ibuko, exchange student from Cameroon. Ha 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 ha!